That's what it is. It's not some magic formula, some hype that we're trying to get people to, you know, get messed up or, you know, dizzy or anything like that. It's just God. God moves and just any way he wants to. The thing that we discover about God, and it doesn't take long, is that God is sovereign. Sovereign is a word that we don't hear much today in our English culture, but sovereignty is something that says, I do what I want. And the thing about God is that we can trust him. Amen. Everything that he has for it, for us is for our benefit, no matter what it is. I mean, even when God corrects us, you know, even when he comes down on us a little bit, and he has to because of the human nature, you know, we understand that God, you know, loves us, and, and he's just trying to not only get us to be saved. There's two very important things in life for folks, and that is to be saved. And you say, saved from what? Well, Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost and told him about repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which was the promise, he said, save yourself from this untoward generation, the crooked generation. That's what he said. He said, the world around you, and that doesn't mean that we should become skeptical at everybody. It just means by nature, all of us, praise God, need to be saved. And it's because we inherited that from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve fell. They were um, taken out of the garden, which was a very, very beautiful place. And they were put into a world that you and I are in right now, where we deal with things, disappointments and ups and downs and all of that kind of business. And so the constant God that you and I serve, praise God, is coming to us constantly. Amen. Constantly. Um, it wasn't just a couple of years. I've been in this, this type of uh, uh, thing for about 42 years, going on 43 years. And it wasn't just a couple of years after I um, had been in the church. You know, you, you come and you be a part of what God is doing. And pretty soon God begins to show you things. And I remember God showing me different ab uh, aspects of my, of my youth. And when I was young, I was 22 years, age, 22 years of age when I came to the Lord, and when I started coming to the, to the Lord, that is. And God began to show me as a teenager and some of the dumb stuff that I used to do and that kind of thing. And I won't, I won't highlight that. But he showed me how he was there, how he was leading me. And that's what you can be assured of. That how you're not here by any accident. You didn't just wake up this morning and say, you know, I think I'll come to church. No, I, God has been dealing with you all of this week. Come on, can somebody lift their hand and say, that's exactly the way it is. Now, come on, you can do one of two things. You can do one of two things. You can begin to, you know, as a human being, as a sovereign human being, you can shut that down. You can say, I don't want to listen to that anymore. Or you can begin to yield to that and say, God, I, I want to build this relationship with you called trust. And I'm going to start following you. I'm going to start letting you lead, praise God, instead of me getting into trouble and then asking you to come and get me out of it. Come on, isn't that kind of the pattern of life? Amen. And so we got this idea that, you know, that, that God doesn't like us and he can't wait to, you know, see us get humiliated and all that kind of business. No, God loves you. And really what that means, in essence, is that God allows and makes his love available. That's what he does. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God makes his or lets his love become available. But it's like anything else from God. He's not going to jam it down your throat. He's not going to do that. That's not what God does. Sometimes we wish he would, don't we? Yeah. But he doesn't. He just very, very quietly comes into a place like this by his spirit, praise God. And then anybody and everybody has the same opportunity, praise God. God is no respecter of persons is what the scripture says. That means he doesn't have prejudice. 
He just has a love for everybody that he wants to make available in Jesus' name. And so I hope this morning, praise God, the things that God has revealed to your heart already, and he has, believe me, they're not to embarrass you or to make you feel bad. It's so that he can show you that he really does want to heal you. He wants to heal. The heart is really what it comes down to. Jesus, when he was pressed on questions a lot of times, you know, and he had answers, and there were times when he didn't give answers, but this time he did. There was a group of lawyers that came to him and said, you know, a lot of commandments, and if you study the Old Testament, you're going to find there were over 600 of them. And so that they're saying, like most of us, well, which one do I really need to do? You know, what's the greatest one? And Jesus did that. He, he shortened the list by saying, Love God. See, the love of God, how you receive the love of God is to respond to it. Amen. That's how you receive it, is that you don't shun away from it. You don't say, I don't want that. You know, you say, man, I'm welcome. That's why a lot of times in, 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 in spirit-filled services, you will see people lift up their hands, both of them. And what that is, that's an expression of, of not only submission, but an expression of God, do it. Fill me. Let me have it. And that's why when you resist that kind of stuff, I'm not telling you you better, or, or you better not. I'm just saying when you do, and you are a sovereign human being, you can, you, you can expect God. God isn't going to just kick down the door and say, okay, I'm here, you better accept me. That's military. Amen. The only time we can get military is against the devil, not against human beings. And so this is what you sense and in a place like this, especially this morning, even during this pandemic, God is there. Amen. I have ministered for 30 some years up at the county jail and those doors don't lock him out. They don't. There is nothing in the world that can lock God out. So he will come near. But it's going to be up to you to go ahead and accept these things, praise God. And the real thing is, you know, the, the term today in, in the so-called religious world is accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's actually, you know, backwards. Because the first chapter of the book of Ephesians tells us that he has already accepted us. Amen. And so if there's any accepting that has to take place, God has already, he's already done that. He's already accepted us. And now it's all up to you. You can ac absolutely accept the things that God has for you in Jesus' name. I'm telling you something, folks. Jesus, when he shortened the list, he said, love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And that's really what we have to work on. But listen to me, folks, we will not get very far without God's help. And that's why the reason sometimes we're not able to do the things that, that, that we know that God wants us to do is because maybe there's a breach there. Maybe there's something that happened to us. And I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I'm not here, I'm not going to read your mail, you know, here in, in this audience. But I know that God has, has, has come in, praise God. Amen. One of the first lines of defense that we have as human beings is something called the conscience. If you study the word conscience, it literally means co-perspective. See, you and I have a perspective. We see the world in a certain way. It has a lot to do with your environment, the way you were raised, where you were brought up, that type of thing. And I'm not here to find fault in any of that. I'm just saying we have a perspective. But with the conscience, God is the co his perspective will come in and help you. Not force itself, 
but it will literally help you to see things the way God sees things. Amen. And folks, that's a good thing. That's a powerful thing. That's why, like the chorus says, here's my heart, God. Have at it. I want to give God access to everything about me. And I'm not saying I've got to perfect it. I'm still working on a lot of this stuff. But man, it's a comforting thought to understand that my God loves me. He's already accepted me. He's already made things available for me. And all I need to do is just, oh, come on. Somebody just needs to do that right now. Just open up both of those arms and say, God, pour it in right now. Come on, this isn't Carnahan trying to manipulate you. This is the Spirit of God trying to lead you into the waters, the still waters, the green pastures, all of those beautiful things that we know that God can do. Oh, come on. Let's take about 15 seconds and let's just open up completely to him. Come on. There's healing in this place. There is the healing power of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. I am so glad, Lord God, that we can know these things. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Wow. Oh, my goodness, folks. I'm telling you something. This is the real deal, huh? This is the real deal. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. My goodness. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, let's just give him a little praise. Can we do that? goodness, there's a scripture that, you know, that, 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 tried, that explains a lot of things, and there's, I mean, that's what the scripture does. His word is, is there for your and I's explanation, you know, and really what God starts with is declarations. You know, he just says, this is what I'm doing. This is how it works. You know, the, the very first uh, verse in our Bible, the King James Version Bible, is um, in Genesis 1 and 1 where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now he says that. He just says, this is how I did it. You know, later on in the scripture it says, by faith we understand that he framed the worlds with his word. And so again, explanations will come. And there are many of you, probably all of you, have, have received some declarations of God, but you're still kind of scratching your head going, well, what's he doing? Well, that's why you need to hang on. That's why you need to be consistent with God. Keep following him. Don't let anything get in the way. One of the things that the Apostolic Pentecostal Church taught me is the idea of consistency. That I can be in church every time the doors open. I can be praying. I can be reading my Bible. You know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's competing for it, but I can begin to get that stuff out of the way. And over the next couple of years, God systematically began to take, help me to remove things out of my life. Stuff that really didn't matter. Stuff that really wasn't helping me. Stuff that was just kind of occupying time. And boy, we live in a world that that's what it is. My goodness. I mean, let me give you, you know, three of them. You know, entertainment, work, you know, uh, and, and, um, and, and sports. And I'm, I'm not saying it's bad to, to, to play baseball or do all of that kind of stuff. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that these things can become things that occupy 
and get more and more room in our life, and pretty soon we don't have time to come to church. We don't have time to read our Bibles. We don't have time to pray. And that's not finding fault. That's just the way it is. You as a sovereign human being have to make some choices. Amen. And so when you begin to make those choices that are based upon God and His Word, ooh, I'm telling you, the windows of heaven begin to open. And that's why many of you, many of you felt that right away. You sensed that because you were making decisions. I am going to worship God. I'm going to put those worries on the back burner. I am going to just begin to express myself to God. And when you did that immediately, did you not? The Bible says if we draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. Come on, Jesus said, behold, I wait at the door and I knock. I'm a gentleman. Amen. But if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Oh, hallelujah. These are all principles, praise God, that you and I can begin to live by every day. And pretty soon God is in this phenomena that we've heard about. Pretty soon God is this thing that I have experienced. Ooh, that's what made Pentecost so valuable, is every one of those people in the upper room experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They experienced something, praise God. They experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they were never the same after that, folks. And you're one of them. Come on, that's who you are. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And so this is what we do. We just expand the territory in our lives in Jesus' name. And so the scripture says in, in Isaiah 55 and 6, it says it gives us advice there. It says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. The good news is he can still be found. You better believe it. You can. He's right there. Praise God. And then the scripture goes on to say, call, call ye upon him while he is near. That's why one of the things that happened in the book of Genesis right off the bat is they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That's what they did. They physically begin to call on God. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes religion wants to suppress that. And say, now you be quiet. I was raised in a church, man, that, man, I'd get it when I got home if I did anything in that church. And I'm not finding fault. My parents were good people, but they didn't know any better. Then I come to you guys, and, man, you guys just let, let the, you know, you just let it all go. And I'm going, whoa, this is strange. And that's why sometimes people that come into a Pentecostal, apostolic Pentecostal church, they're a little taken back. They're going, and I, my first reaction was, isn't this disrespectful? That's what I was taught until I started learning some things. And then I started realizing that God likes that. He likes it when people call upon Him. He likes it when people praise Him and lift Him up and give Him glory. He likes that. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make us cookie-cutter people. It just says, hey, whatever I am, I'm going to express it to God. I'm not going to suppress it. I'm not going to let it lay dormant. I'm not going to let somebody tell me I can't. I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus because he is my God. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And so it becomes that. Amen. And there was something about that, folks, that said, I'm going to get back here as soon as they have another one of these. Yeah, that's what it did for me because I was hungry for the things of God. I didn't need your version of it. I needed God's. I needed God to tell me some things. I'm going to speak some things here today, and I'm just going to sow a seed right now. There's two ways that God will speak to us, 
everybody, I don't care who you are. One is through his word, and then the next is through the people of God. And you've got both of them here today. You've got a double whammy, praise God, so you can, you can take heed to the things of God in Jesus' name. But the scripture says we got to do some things also, not just call upon God. It says the wicked, in verse number 7, forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will. He will have mercy, it says, upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's what God will do for us. He will take your past, and I'm talking not just a couple of years. I'm talking about your entire past. Praise God. One of these years I'm going to collect social security. Been working for this all my life. 65 now, and I'm going to wait until 66. Might wait until I'm 67 or 68. You know, whatever. But they tell me that I'm going to be paid based upon my 35 great best years. 35, I think is what it is. They say, they average out your 35 best years of, of what you gained and what you, what you were employed in. Praise God. And so, sometimes we think that's God. That God will deal with us with maybe the last couple of years or whatever. No, God is going to take the whole slate and wipe it down. That's what Jesus' name baptism does, by the way. Amen. When you begin to repent, and you can't ever quit doing that, by the way. Repentance is one of those ongoing things. And then when you are baptized by fully immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says He not only forgives, but He washes those sins away. And then because there's such a void, because there's such a void, He fills it with His Spirit. And that's another one of those continuing things that, you know, just because we got filled yesterday doesn't mean we're filled today. We must make a practice of it. We must allow God to fill the space, praise God. And that's what He does, praise God. And so that's why we can, we can do these things. Because the real challenge that we have, folks, is found in verse 8. Verse number 8 in the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. The real challenge we have is that his thoughts are not our thoughts. God doesn't operate the way we operate. And we want him to a lot. We really do. That's why you need in your conscience the co-perspective. You need God's perspective on what's going on. And when you start eliminating that, then you're going to run under your own fumes. You're going to run under your own tank. And believe me, the best of us, we can't do that. We can really mess things up. Just look at the world around you. Look at what we have done. Amen. And I'm not finding fault. I'm just saying a lot of that is done because the co-perspective isn't there. God isn't giving His perspective. And, giving us, and, giving, and, and they're not taking the idea from Him. And that's not mind manipulation, folks. That's truth. Because verse 8 says, His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen. They're not. They're just never going to be. God has to put his thoughts in us. And by the way, he's willing to do that. And that's why his word and the people of God that will preach his word are the direct communication from God to you. The real chronological verse, uh, that's, that's the first verse in the Bible, is not Genesis 1 and 1. It's actually John 1 and 1. When it says in the beginning was the Word. You see, the first thing that God did in creation was communicate. He created a communication. And that's what He's doing here today through His Word and through the people of God in Jesus' name. And so keep these things in mind. Amen. The rest of this chapter deals with the fact that God brings His Word down to us. 
And so you can rest assured, praise God, that God has that dimension for you in Jesus' name. That little preliminary Bible study, why don't you just close your eyes and lift up your hand right now and ask God to give you further understanding to what was said. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, now that, he's, now that he's healed your heart, he's created an environment where this stuff can really, really do some good now. And I believe that. I believe every person who wanted their heart healed here today, it's done. It's done in the name of Jesus. No, no, no you know, probation, no waiting until you reach a certain level. No, when you ask God to do something, He does. And I believe this morning God was, was, was healing hearts here. Praise God. Giving people the ability to receive not only His love, but His Word in the name of Jesus. Oh, what a dimension in Jesus' name. What a dimension in Jesus' name. Praise God. I read, uh, personally, I read a lot of books. I just ordered five more, and um, I, I just love to. I, uh, that's been a, um, uh, about the last 10, maybe 12 years has been a real regimen in my life. I read the Bible through, and I, I listen to the Bible through. That's what I do, and, and I, I make that a big part of my life. I will never take any book that a man will write and, repl and, and replace the Word of God with it. Well, somebody here, you need to hear that. Really. That's why we have a lot of religions. It's because people have done that. And you have the opportunity to, to flip that around. Amen. At one time, it was 10 to 1. That's what it was in my life. For every one book I'd read, I'd, I, you know, I was going through the Bible multiple times. And so this is how I feel about it, because God's Word is very, very powerful. It really is. And so you consider these things and God will give you understanding. One of the books that I'm just, just about done with is called The Apostolic Life. I would highly recommend that for every one of you. It's by a, a man named David Bernard. He is the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. And he is just a, a very, very good communicator. He's not Jesus, you know, but he is a very good communicator. And he has a way of bringing things um, to what I would consider to our a generation that's that's has relevant communication and the apostolic life is just full of you know probably one and two page um, um, chapters that you can finish in just a few minutes and it just has a brilliant thought to it and I've, I've learned this process with most people because this is our world that we've created our video and our our um, you know entertainment world has given us a lot of us ADDH literally it has and the reason that is, is because we, we can't handle being in a room where people preach for two and three and four hours. We can't do that. Our minds just aren't expanded to that. And so something has to happen to help us to expand. That's why in this church, one of the goals that I have is the senior pastor. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That's the first time I ever used that. Senior pastor um, is, um, I, I want people to grow. I don't care who you are. I want, with the help of God, to create environments where people can grow and expand. And they come back, they personally can come back in a year and say, Whoa, we've made some progress. Come on, folks, that is a natural, that is a natural encourager when you can make progress. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to become perfect. Don't get the big hat size. But it does mean that you are going to improve. And that needs to be something as a sovereign human being that you do. Make sure of that. That's been a, you know, 40-some year um, uh, program for me. 
is I don't want to be the same. I want to expand, praise God. And not that I'm not grateful for what the Lord has done, but I just want more. And that's not greed, folks. That is hunger. That's what that is. And so you can expect that when you come into this place every time. And Wednesday night, that wasn't that a great Bible study on faith? Amen. Tonight, if the Lord gives me the green light, I'm going to give you a definition, a biblical definition to, to perfected faith. Be here or be square. Praise God. But in this, but, but in this, um, but in this, this book, The Apostolic Life, he writes this article, and one of the articles I thought I would read to you today, and it has to do with something that's coming up here, and it's called Independence Day. It's going to be a different 4th of July. We're kind of still you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, feeling our way through a lot of stuff, aren't we? But it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay on the most part. The Bible says all things together work for the good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen. So you can rest assured that no matter what happens, praise God, God has something good intended to come from that. Okay? But this idea of being free, free from what? Yeah, that's really the deal, isn't it? Free. Yeah. I remember back in my day, back in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, they, they tried to institute a helmet law. And I had a good friend of mine that was in a motorcycle family um, called the Chosen Few. Can you imagine that? That's what the name of the group was, the Chosen Few. I've since realized that they were really talking about the apostolic church. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, they, they weren't going to wear it. And so you think that protesting is a new thing? My goodness, I came out of the Vietnam era. They were doing that every day. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and all, I'm using names that a lot of you don't know. But I'm just saying, that all that stuff was open season during that time. And so protesting has always been, you know, people want to be free. Well, the question is, free from what? And that's really what you have to ask yourself, you know? And so listen to this. Americans are fortunate to live in the freest country in history. Can you say amen? amen? We really are. This is a free country. It says, although our society is far from perfect, it still affords us great economic, political, and religious liberty. It does. Read your history. That's one of the reasons they came from England, is they wanted to start godly churches. And so this is what they did. Some time ago, I was reminded of this, tru this truth on a trip to Vietnam to teach a seminar for pastors. Because the country's communist government, now this was a while ago, government severely curtails religious activity. We met, you know, um, uh, conspicuously in a home. He goes on to say, we ended the seminar a day early because the police, they literally came around the area and were telling us to quit. A few months ago, or a few months before, our missionary had been placed under house arrest and interrogated for four days because he helped conduct a religious meeting. Aren't you glad they don't do that in America? I am too. I am very glad. Praise God. It says, as a society, we must understand that true freedom begins with the liberty to worship God according to the dic dictates of our conscience. Amen. 
When freedom of worship <clears throat> is curtailed, then all other freedoms, including the freedom of speech, assembly, and the press, come under attack. Literally. That's what happens. Goes on to say, once society minimizes the belief in God, then it becomes easier to deny the reality of eternal moral law and inalienable human rights. And this country is a testimony to that. Now, I'm not finding fault with America as, as much as I'm pointing out. Our history supports that. When they start taking God out of things, that was our downfall as a nation. And I'm not saying that God can't have great revival in this, in this nation. I believe he's going to. But it's going to come back to the Isaiah 55 method. And we're going to start, praise God, calling upon the Lord. We're going to start, praise God, you know, forsaking the junk that has accumulated in our lives. And we're going to start realizing that his thoughts are a whole lot more important than mine in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, folks, it's going to happen. Because like he says here, freedom becomes relative. And government begins to define what freedom it will allow. Now, again, I'm not trying to be any American here. I'm just trying to point out some things. We want to be free. Well, what do you want to be free from? That's what you need to ask yourself. And so Jesus pointed out that we have freedom only to the extent that we know truth. That's why that co-perspective that's in your conscience right now, he is dealing with truth with you. That's why I'm telling you right now, the two major ways that God communicates with us is through His Word, because His Word is truth. Amen. And then if He's a real, and she's a real person of God, they will be preaching the truth. Instead of some political, you know, whatever. That's what has to happen. That's why you feel a little bit of the intensity in here. Because that goes with the territory of the Word. Amen. And so Jesus made reference to the fact that we have freedom to the extent that we know the truth. If you don't know the truth, then you are going to and doomed to walk in ignorance. And I don't mean that condescendingly. I mean that as a reality. <clears throat> because Jesus said in John chapter number 8 and verse 32, He said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. This is what brings freedom into our lives. Is to understand that God is the boss. He's, he's the, he is the almighty God. But he gives me the choice, praise God, to forsake or to accept. And my life has been, that has been the daily regimen of my life in Jesus' name. And whether or not you believe it or not, it's been yours too. But maybe now, maybe some of that has been in ignorance. And again, I don't mean that to put anybody down. It just means that you and I must let the communication of His Word become the most important thing in our lives. That's what He wants to do. <clears throat> and I understand the King James Version Bible that I use is just that. It's a... Uh, interpretation of the original scriptures. That's why a lot of my study, some of it, not all of it, is done in the original languages. Not that I am an ex expert by it, by no means. But I just want to know, really, what does that word mean? Because our English language can become very muddy sometimes. 
It can have a multitude of meanings. But I'm here to tell you the Word of God is not like that. If you'll dig deep enough, you're going to find the original meaning, praise God. When Jesus was confronted, and he was confronted, like I said before, on many subjects, but he was confronted on the idea of divorce, and I'm not here to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I am a product of divorce, and I'm not proud of that, but it's just what our world does sometimes. But he was asked about that, you know, what about this divorce? And then they, they laid their claim. Well, Moses, man, he just said we could do it for this reason and that reason and this reason and that reason. Yeah, and they were true, because Moses was dealing with people. But the idea of it is, what did Jesus do? He didn't say, you know, Mo was wrong. No, you know what he said? Let's go back to the beginning. And let's see how God designed it to be. Amen. If you're a product of a divorce, you can get restored. But the next time you get married, make it forever. Make it for this is going to be the one that's going to last until Jesus comes back. That's what I did. And look what God gave me. He led her right into my life. Praise God. I'm telling you folks, our God is not only a God of hope, but He's a God that answers prayer. He gives you the right thing. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Man, I'm telling you something right now. We got it made. We got it made. Why? Because we're free. We're free. That's it. We are free to worship God. Oh, hallelujah. We are free to accept his word. We are free to listen to him. Oh, yes. Wow. Man, alive. That's what it is. But listen to me, and it isn't in here, but I'll just, qualification here. With freedom brings responsibility. And so accept that responsibility with God's help. Don't get nervous and say, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Now, that means it's going to take some work. That means you're going to have to learn how to, you know, have a good old-fashioned garage sale about every other week. And get rid of the stuff you don't need. Amen. And then pretty soon you can get down to five or six things and put it on eBay, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, the bottom line is, is this is what you can do. You can begin to shape your life. That is a pattern in which God can use. In fact, the Bible gives us an illustration of vessels. Amen. That God wants to fill those vessels with good things. And that's what he does with, with his word and with his spirit in Jesus' name. And so you must understand, Jesus said, you're going to know the truth. You're not going to walk in ignorance anymore. And then that truth is what will make you free. Because real freedom is not based on changing human opinions, but on the absolute of God's moral order. Every one of us have an opinion. That's why we got a country that's just full of opinions. And I'm not here to be unkind to people. But God's opinion matters to me more than yours. God's opinion is the one I want to hear. God's opinion is the one that will change me. God's opinion is the one that will remit all of my sins. God's opinion is the one that filled me with the Holy Ghost. God's opinion. Amen. And yes, that's going to cause some uncomfortableness, not only in your own life, but in a lot of lives around you. It will. It will just automatically do that. Just study the life of Jesus. Man, all he did is walk into a city and people just disagreed with him. 
And that's the way it is in our world. And I'm going to tell you something, we have to learn that. But the best thing you and I can do is be in agreement. Agreement with God. In fact, the word confess, in the book of uh, 1 John chapter number 1, I'm not sure exactly what verse it is, but it talks about confessing our sins to God. And that's talking about people who had already been born again, by the way. And the word confess there, if you go back to the original language, it literally means to say the same thing that God says. To agree with Him. And so when you in essence and I in essence confess something that's in our life that we know is wrong, you're not telling God what He doesn't know. What you're doing is starting to agree with Him. And that is where your life can become that. You want real true peace in life? Right there. You're very close to peace when you start agreeing with God. Amen. And so this is what freedoms will do, my friend. Freedoms will do that. It's not based upon changing your opinion. And believe me, in my early days of preaching, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to, man, I'm going to preach this. And I still, but I don't do it to change your opinion. You can walk out of here and think how you want to think. And it doesn't mean that I don't care about you. I just respect you. I'm not going to change you any more than you're going to change me. But I know one that can. And when he brings about the change, praise God, it's going to be a good thing. So freedom. Freedom. Let's think about that this Independence Day, praise God. Amen. It is not freedom to ignore truth, but to understand truth and act accordingly. For instance, this is a good example. It says, a person who drives off a cliff in defiance of the law of gravity is not free, but ignorant. And that ignorance destroys him or her. And that's what we find a lot in the world today. Those hippies, those guys that I was playing in rock bands with that were stupid just like I was, they might have thought they were free, but man, they were really hurting themselves because I knew a few of them that because they weren't wearing one, they ended up dead. So we got to think about this thing, freedom, and we got to understand that it's the truth that makes us free. And then as we begin to walk in God's truth, praise God, we will feel what that sense is. Freedom in the highest sense, then, is the knowledge of right from wrong coupled with the ability to choose. That's what freedom really is, is that we have the ability to choose. And it means recognizing the benefits of right values and the devastating consequences of wrong values and having the courage and strength to guide our lives, families, and communities according to the former. That's what freedom is. That's why when you come to an apostolic Pentecostal church, you will not see perfection. You will see freedom. That people, we don't make people come to church. We suggest it very kindly. But people are here under their own volition. They are here because as a sovereign human being, they chose to get out of bed and come and occupy their time with the things of God. Now that might have a little bit of slow growth, but it has permanent growth. That's what I have seen. And God wants to help somebody here to grow. Remember, I'll go back to my theme. Come on, I got some good years left. As a senior pastor. <laughs> Amen. And people are going to grow. 
They're going to. I believe it in Jesus' name. Not that I'm going to make you. Not that I'm going to become the Pentecostal police and come around your house and make sure you're doing it. I'm going to trust you just like you trust me. But I'm going to tell you something. Be a fruit inspector. If you don't feel the fruit of what I'm doing here today, man, you tell me about it. But there's fruit that comes with being in submission to God. And that's what God will do, praise God. We can have it. Now, governments can neither bestow nor take away this freedom. They can't, for it must come from God. Jesus said, and this is also in, in, in John 8, it says, if the Son therefore make you free, you are free indeed. And study the word indeed there. It means not just about this, the thing you're dealing with today, but the thing that comes up tomorrow and the thing that comes up the next day or the thing that comes up next month. You are free indeed. This freedom works for everything, praise God. And so this is why I'm telling you, this is the answer. Sunday night, I know I kind of got on a little bit of a um, you know, soapbox, but we got the answer. Come on, I'm not, not that I'm not concerned about our world and, our, and what's going on out there. It's bad, man, folks, in some, some places, you know. But listen, this is the answer. This is the answer, praise God, that people need in Jesus' name. The believers in Vietnam, you know, enjoyed, and this is what he's making reference to when he was over there. I don't know how it is now. But he said in Vietnam, they enjoyed religious or political freedom, but, you know, did not. Let me put it that way. They didn't at that time. They could not enjoy the political freedom. But they did, or they do have spiritual freedom as they are free indeed. That's why we have found in the foreign field that no matter what government is operating in the land, if you'll go and preach the gospel, let God be God, and let people become born again of the water and of the Spirit, you will find revival, mighty revival like never before. In our movement at one time, one time, this was back in the, in the 80s, in, in, a, in a country called Ethiopia, which was very suppressed by a communist government at that time. There were 400,000 people who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in one service. One service. The next year they had a children's, they had a children's crusade and over 50,000 young people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost the same way in a country that was suppressing them. That's happening, folks. So don't you blame the government for this. You try to be a better citizen. And with the help of God, that's what will happen in Jesus' name. God will help you and I to become better citizens in Jesus' name. Spiritual freedom is the work of the living Lord in a believer's life by the power of His Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. Read it for yourself in the first chapter of the book of Acts. That's why I pursued it. I rejected it for a number of years because religion told me I didn't have to have it. But after I got over that one, it was easy. God, re I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost just coming down to an altar, being obedient to a pastor. Amen. And then ever since that, God has been expanding that to where I can, I can spend some good time in prayer in the Spirit. That doesn't mean I'm better than you. It just means I'm free. I don't have to pray the way Carnahan wants to pray. I can pray according to the will of God. And that is real, real spiritual freedom in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Regardless of political and economic circumstances, we can enjoy the higher freedom when we are filled with God's Spirit and live by His liberating power every day. Can you lift your hands right now? And can you ask the Lord to give you further understanding to this? Come on, God doesn't want to manipulate you. He doesn't want to threaten you. He doesn't want to say, hey, either or. He's just saying, listen, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You can learn to love the way God loves by receiving His Spirit in the name of Jesus. It's not some Pentecostal, you better do it or else. This is the freedom that God brought to this world through Jesus Christ. He died for your sins and my sins so that you and I would have a heart that's prepared to receive the things of God. Oh, come on, folks. I'm telling you right now, this is the greatest thing going. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Chris, you got a couple of songs? Good, good. Get, get ready. I'm not ready just yet. But you can come up if you want. You won't bother me. Praise God. I got another set of scriptures I want to give you. I want to sow some seed here. Praise God. <clears throat> Over the years... I have um, used illustrations to further my communication. And I, I, I mean, we die because of, because of lack of them. You know, what's going on in this little pea brain of mine sometimes isn't going on in yours. And so I, I've learned to use illustrations. And it's because the Bible uses them. Amen. And I, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And that is the fact that, that the Bible uses animals sometimes for, our, for, for, for analogies. And three of them in particular, there's more of them, but three of them in particular. The Bible, we use goats, sheep, or wolves. And the word wolf in the, in the New Testament is only found just a few times. And one of the descriptions that it uses, there are actually two descriptions that it uses for wolves. And believe me, I, I pray against them. I don't, I don't, most of the time, I don't know who they are. But sometimes I do. And, and, but the bottom line is I pray against them. Because wolves are ruthless. Wolves want to destroy. And I'm not going to, I'm, they're not going to come in here without a good fight. That's why I don't have to fight you. I got plenty of people to fight in the spiritual realm. But one of the places it's used is in the book of Acts that Paul uses the word uh, uh, grievous wolves, which, whoa, they're, and, and a lot of it comes from their hunger. That the wolf has the wrong hunger. It will kill because it's hungry. And that's what makes it so vicious. And usually what it'll do is prey on the weak. And that's why, you know, if you're a shepherd, you know, and you have this flock of, of sheep, what you want to do is keep them together. Keep them in a place where you can protect them. But every once in a while, there'll be a sheep, because sheep aren't real bright. They'll wander off. We've had a few of them here, and I'm praying for them to come back. I really am, vehemently. Because they're out there in a place where they're going to get nipped. And that's not a threat. That is reality. That's why I believe in the local church. I believe in people getting somewhere, living somewhere, working somewhere, and going to church somewhere. Now this video online, we got them here today. I don't know how many tuned into our video. And God bless you. Appreciate you. But I really can't deal a whole lot with you until you come in here. And so this is what I do. And so grievous wolves. And then another description of wolves, which I found. found one just, just the other day. 
Wolves in sheep's clothing. Oh, they can talk the talk. Oh, they can sound just like a Christian. And I'm not finding fault, folks. I need the discernment of God to deal with this. And God is right there. But the other two, sheeps and goats, are on the most part who will come in here. Because we don't have the sign out there saying, if you're a goat, don't come to church. Although it might not be a bad idea, but no. No, there's lots of people that I've seen come in with a goat attitude, and within minutes, seconds, because of the Spirit of God, they got rid of it. And I'll tell you one of the calling points of a goat is, I ain't doing that. I dare you to preach at me. Ooh. I'm, I'm just telling you what it looks like. I got to love everybody or make my love available to everybody. Okay, that's what it is. But the bottom line is, if you're going to make it anywhere in the kingdom of God, you've got to develop a sheep mentality. Amen. Let me show you illustration here. Look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. And I'll just read a few verses of Scripture here to leave you with this. Because this is so important, folks. What has gone on in here, I don't know how many sermons I've preached. But I'm just ministering. I got this whole big wad of stuff that God gives me through the week. And then with God's help, it's got to come out. That's how it works for me. I study. And I don't study most of the time to impress you with preaching. I used to do that in the early years too. But now I study to know. I want to know. I want to dig deeper. I don't want to have, well, you know, I wonder what God's doing there. I want to know. And I'm not saying I know everything. But I'm going to. That's what it works. And that's not arrogance, folks. That is hunger. I have a hunger for God's Word. And I hope that you will develop one too. Now listen to what Jesus said. Now you know it's in red. And you know it's Jesus, right? I'm just kidding. You know, the Bible says in verse number 1, Jesus teaching here. 10 and 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Now, he said that. I didn't. If you don't want to come in and submit yourself to what God says you need to do, then you're a robber and a thief. And I didn't say that. Jesus did. And so you must understand, the sheep will do that. And the Bible says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Wasn't it Jesus that gave us the best example? Remember that time in the early parts of, of the Gospel of Matthew where the Bible says he came to John the Baptist and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus submitted himself to baptism. And John's going, Whoa, you, I think we got this thing the opposite. And Jesus said, No. He said, Allow it to happen. For thus we fulfill all righteousness. Jesus didn't need to get baptized because he had sin. He got baptized mainly because he was showing us it was the right way. He was the shepherd and still is. He's the chief shepherd. And he was opening the door. And now the sheep. Come on, I'm going to make a powerful point here in just a few seconds. The sheep will see that. They might not be real bright as far as the world is concerned, but they'll hear his voice. They'll see what he wants to do, and they will become compliant and obedient to it. It will just happen. Now you can understand why the Bible gave those illustrations. 
If you're going to want to hang around with the goats and you want to just be as contrary as you can be, that was me in the 60s. But man, when I got into the church, I had to start losing that stuff. And I had to start saying, God, I will. Yes, sir. God, I will do this. And so Jesus said, he's the door. He's the one that's taking us through the door. And it says to him, the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. To be continued, but let me put a little addendum here. That's why I said the two major reason, ways, major, not the only way. I mean, there's like seven or eight of them that God will speak to us. It's like speaking in tongues. I can think of five or six reasons to speak in tongues, diverse tongues. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. God can communicate in a lot of different ways, but these two major things that he has allowed us to have, praise God, and that is his word and the people of God. And you people have been beneficiaries of that here this morning. Amen. That's why a lot of times, not every time, but I would say most times, the Word of God is going to demand, I use that word very, very cautiously, but the Word of God will demand a response. I mean, you can sit back there with your arms folded and say, I'm going to think about this for another week. Well, you go ahead. You can do that. We're not going to tell you better else. But sooner or later, you're going to come around that same block. And you're going to say, man, I've been here before, haven't I? I did that with baptism for about two years. Deja vu. And I got tired of deja vu. And so one day I just said, Lord, let's get this thing fixed right now. And it was obedience to God's word that helped me to move on. And that's what I will leave you with in Jesus' name. I'm so glad for singers. I'm so glad for people who can really, really be sensitive to what God needs to do. And music is important. And so what we're going to do, I know it's about, well, not quite quarter after 11. And you can go if you need to go. I mean, I'm not here to leave to keep you here. But I'm, we're going to play a chorus here. And then I'm going to give you the freedom. Praise God to respond in Jesus' name. at the center 